In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So last week uh, and the week before, we started the uh, the series speaking about the Desert Fathers, and we explained about who were the Desert Fathers and kind of the benefit we can have from their sayings, from their stories, and so on. And the first two weeks, we spoke specifically about the topic of spiritual warfare, and we talked about examples of um, different Desert Fathers and how they were waging like this spiritual warfare against the devil, against temptation, um, and so on. Uh, this week, God willing, we're going to speak about quietness and distraction um, and some of the sayings that the, the Desert Fathers speak about this. So I'm going to read this story, and then we can meditate on it. So it says, A certain man said that there were once three men who loved labors, and they were monks. The first one chose to go about and see where there was strife, which he turned into peace. The second chose to go about and visit the sick. But the third departed to the desert that he might dwell in quietness. Finally, the first man, who had chosen to still the contentions of men, was unable to make every man to be at peace with his neighbor, and his spirit was sad. And he went to the man who had chosen to visit the sick, and he found him in affliction because he was not able to fulfill the law which he had laid down for himself. Then the two of them went to the monk in the desert, and seeing each other they rejoiced, and the two men related to the third the tribulations which had befallen them in the world, and entreated him to tell them how he had lived in the desert. And he was silent, but after a little he said unto them, Come, let each of us go and fill a vessel of water. And after they had filled the vessel, he said to them, Pour out some of the water into a basin, and look down to the bottom through it. And they did so. And he said to them, What do you see? And they said, We see nothing. And after the water in the basin had ceased to move, he said to them a second time, Look into the water. And they looked, and he said to them, What do you see? And they said to him, We see our own faces distinctly. And he said to them, Thus it is with the man who dwells with men. For by reason of the disturbance caused by this affair of the world, he cannot see his sins. But if he lives in the peace and quietness of the desert, he is able to see God clearly. So this gives us a lesson um, kind of for us to think about. What do you think about the moral of the story? Like, what do you think about these three monks? What, what is it that the three monks did? The first monk, it says that he did what? Well, he was a peacemaker. So his, his kind of mission or his goal was to find people who are in fighting with one another and to make peace between them. And what was the second monk? He was the one who wanted to go visit the sick, right? Anyone who was sick, he would go visit them and he would try to take care of their needs. And the third monk... He's the one who went in isolation and solitude by himself, like to be with God. So what do you think about the moral of the story? And do you think that it's, I mean, do you think it's wrong to make peace between people or to visit the sick? Like what, what do you think about the story? Okay. Were you going to say something? There's nothing wrong with what the first two monks did, right? Like, 
there's nothing wrong, actually, in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, Christ said, blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. So, so, so maybe from, from kind of a superficial level, when we, when we listen to this, and when we read this story, it doesn't sound right. It sounds like, well, what's wrong with being the peacemaker, right? And actually, the Lord uh, praises those people who make peace. And the Lord praises those people who go visit the sick, right? So, so what, is, what is the problem then? What is the, what is the story trying to teach? Yes. Okay, so maybe a, a sense of priorities, right? Um, sometimes we um, focus a lot on activity, right? We focus on activity because activities are tangible and we can see results of these activities. So we spend a lot of time doing service activities, right? And, and in our mind, which is true, like this is good, right? When, when we see people who are in conflict, going trying to resolve the conflict, visit the sick people, serving in Sunday school, serving other people or in the church and whatnot. Like all of these things are good, okay? But we learn an example from the story of what happened with Mary and Martha, right? In the story of when Mary and Martha, when the Lord was visiting them at their house, Mary decided that she was going to stop doing everything and she was going to sit at the feet of the Lord and just listen to him. Whereas Martha, taking the opportunity of the Lord being in her house and feeling like she had to prepare for him, like he was obviously an honored guest, that she had to prepare for him like a very grand meal and, and, and you know, make sure everything was ready for him and so on. She spent all her time in the kitchen like preparing and she got angry at her sister Mary because Mary was not helping her, right? And the Lord responded to Martha when Martha came to complain to him and she said to him, tell my sister to come and help me. What is it that the Lord said to Martha? He said to her, what? Mary has chosen what is better, right? She has chosen what is better. So in saying that, does the Lord then saying that service is unimportant and that we shouldn't prepare food for people and we shouldn't be hospitable to people? No, because in other places, those things are commanded. It has to do with what is the appropriate time, right? And what is the balance of the use of our time when it comes to these things? His Holiness, Pope Shenouda, he always spoke about how people would be very eager to attend Bible studies, very eager to listen to sermons, very eager to serve the church in one way or the other. But when it came to the time for prayer, maybe reluctant, maybe putting it off, maybe not seeing the benefit of it or realizing the importance of it, right? Because when it comes with us as human beings, we, we like tangible things. You know, so when you have something tangible, when you have a, a specific job that has to be accomplished and performed, we do it, and then we say, okay, I have done something today. Today is, I have accomplished this work. And these two monks, right, remember these are monks, right? And the, in the Coptic church, the, the, the monastic order is not an order that goes out into the world to serve, typically, unless specifically asked to do so. There is another order of consecrated servants whose role is to serve in the world, okay? In the, in the Catholic Church, there's different types of orders of monasticism. Some of the monastics are living in, in kind of um, in, in a monastery, in isolation, and their primary role is prayer, where there is some monks and nuns whose primary role is serving in the world, okay? 
Um, in, the, in the Coptic Church, all the monastics are in the monasteries living in isolation, but there is another group which is called the consecrated servants that serve in the world. So for a monk, and, and remember, like as we said before, these stories are written for the monks, right? So we read them and we glean and understand important principles from them, but it doesn't mean that we are to follow these literally because we are not monks, right? We are, we are living in the world. So for those of us living in the world, clearly, serving our neighbor is a big part of serving God, right? But we learn from this story that, that what it is not enough to simply spend all of our time serving. Just like Martha, it is not enough for us to spend all of our time serving without having this idea of quietness and meditation and silence and prayer, that the one that we are actually serving is God. When we serve people, we are actually serving God, right? We are actually serving God, right? We are not just serving human beings. So any service that we do for people is a service to God. So if I am really serving God, then I will also take the time to speak with this God, to, you know, spend time with him, to pray, to, to meditate on him, and so on. And so this is one thing um, that's important for us. And, and in the end here in the story, he said what? He said, um, when, he, when he told them to wait until the water quiets down, and he asked them, what do they see? They say what we see our own faces distinctly and he said to them thus it is with the man who dwells with men and by reason of the disturbance caused by this affair of the world he cannot see his sins but if he lives in the peace and quietness of the desert he is able to see god clearly so when we spend time with god we see god clearly it reminds us of our purpose our focus what it is we should be doing why are we here why are we even in the midst of service because sometimes we serve for the wrong reasons you know, some people can be very talented in serving others, very experienced in serving others, but maybe they're serving with the wrong motivation. Maybe they're serving because they want to receive praise. Maybe they're serving because they just want to fill up their time, because otherwise they would be bored. Maybe they serve because they feel like it satisfies a need that they have inside of themselves, right? But is the service truly a service that is pleasing to God? It is a service that, that, is, that they, they are offering to God, or is it a service that is pleasing themselves? When the Lord spoke about the woman who gave the two mites. So there's a woman, a poor woman, who gave these just two copper coins to the temple as a tithe. Um, and the Lord compared her offering with the offering of all these other very wealthy people where they were putting, on, putting in like huge amounts of money. And the Lord said about this woman who put in the two copper coins that she gave more than all the rest because she gave out of her need. She gave all that, he ha that, that she had. So the Lord looked at her offering and was more pleased with this offering of the two copper coins than he was with all of this, the, the offering of all of these wealthy people. And the same is true with service. You might have some people who are very talented in serving, uh, have served all of their life in various capacity. They, you know, if they're a Sunday school servant, they have all the curriculum memorized. They know how to give every lesson, every topic. They're very talented in giving the topics and so on, and they do very well, and everybody likes them, okay? But what is it, who is the one whom the Lord looks at their service and says, this is the one who pleases me, right? Maybe it's not the one we would expect. Maybe it's the one who gave only these two copper coins of service. Maybe from the outside, we look at this person and we say, this isn't really the ideal servant. Maybe their lessons are not the best. Maybe they, 
you know, the, the, the things that they do are not up to the scale or standard of other people. But in the eyes of God, they offer service truly to God, for God, in their heart. And this is something that only God sees, that we as human beings cannot see. So here, this idea of being at peace and in quietness, what? To see God clearly. We have to be able to see God clearly in what we do, or else our lives are in vain. Anything that we do in our lives that is not for God is in vain, right? At some point, right, we are, we, 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 if, if we're not doing something with God in mind, then it is in vain, right? Why is it that we do what we do? And like these other monks who spent their lives in the world trying to serve, they became frustrated, right? They became frustrated because in the world, they didn't always have success, right? The first one, he says, you know what? There were people that I wasn't able to, to reconcile with one another and to have peace. And the second one, I visited the sick, but maybe I wasn't able to help them. Maybe I wasn't able to actually like, give them comfort or bring them comfort. But the one who went to the desert and remained silent with himself, he saw God clearly in everything that he did. So that when we serve, so that when we live our lives, so that when we go to work, so that when we do everything, everything is done with the right purpose, with the right mindset, right, and not with the wrong mindset. So I think for us, this brings us like a, a lesson of balance, that everything should start with our relationship with God, with prayer, and that we remind ourselves this is why we are doing it. I prepare a lesson, I pray a liturgy, I attend a liturgy, I, I, I serve the poor. All why? For God. This is, his, this is the reason why, and I'm at peace in my heart. This is something that we have lost in our society, the idea of quietness. We are always wanting noise, right? We are always wanting noise. You know, there are some people when I go visit them, you know, like, like they have the TV on, and the TV's on all the time, and, you know, while I'm there, the TV stays on. <laughs> like, uh, and, then, and, and maybe when they, they can't turn off the TV, they just turn down the TV. Because for them, the TV is a part of their life, right? And there has to always be noise. Or maybe I have to listen to music all the time. I can't have a moment where the music is off, where I'm just quiet. Or in the moment of quietness, I'll pick up the phone and I'll talk to someone. Or I'll do something. The idea of having silence and quietness in my life is almost unbearable to me. So we always fill it all the time with something. But if in those moments of natural quietness and silence. Instead, we say, what, I'm going to turn these into moments of prayer. And we begin to pray. And prayer is not any kind of fancy or formal type of prayer, but simply I just talk to God. Or I just pray the Jesus prayer. And in order to help me to remember that God is there. And those who find this kind of peace and quietness in prayer, those are the ones who can see God. And those are the ones whose whole rest of their life has a significant purpose and meaning because everything is done for God and not for any other reason. Another one of the Desert Fathers, uh, who was a contemporary of St. Macarius, who we spoke about um, before, uh, he lived also in the wilderness of Scytus, um, where Amba Macarius also lived, and he was very distinguished by his meekness. And in many of the sayings that he had, he died in 370 AD. His name is Abba Agathon. Okay? So he also had a teaching here about prayer. And this is what he said. Or this is a story of something that was recorded that happened with him and in his saying. So he said, the brethren also asked Abba Agathon, amongst all good works, which is the virtue which requires the greatest effort 
He answered, Forgive me, but I think there is no labor greater than that of prayer to God. For every time a man wants to pray, his enemies, the demons, want to prevent him. For they know that it is only by turning him from prayer that they can hinder his journey. Whatever good work a man undertakes, if he pers perseveres in it, he will attain rest. But prayer is warfare to the last breath. So here he's saying what that this idea of prayer, which we often, or at least, you know, when, when you think about or you see images, you know, of people praying or meditating, you, 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 you see this, these images of tranquility, you know, like people who are at rest, at peace, and that this activity of meditation or prayer is one of, um, like, it brings comfort, it brings rest, it brings, you know, like, like, pe like peaceful images, okay? But actually, when you read about what the Desert Fathers say about prayer, many of the, the writers of the church, they say about prayer, they don't say about prayer that it brings, you know, that it's a peaceful experience. They say that it's a difficult experience. They say that it is hard work in order to pray, which is why we tend to avoid it sometimes. Again, because for me to pray, it means that I have to decide to stop doing everything else that I could be doing. Our time is limited, obviously. We're all very busy. So in order for me to sacrifice some of that limited time, which I could be using either to do something else productive, or I could just be resting or sleeping or enjoying myself or whatever it might be, I have to choose to sacrifice some of that time. And not just I have to, you know, spend time doing something other than what I need to do, but I also have to quiet my mind. And quieting my mind is not an easy thing, right? Because when we go to pray, what is in our mind when we begin praying? It's about all the things that I have to do. It has to, all the things that my kids have said, all the things that my coworkers have said, all the work that is still undone. Maybe I feel angry because of something somebody said to me, or I'm worried about something that might happen today or tomorrow, or I feel overwhelmed with the busyness of my day. And all these thoughts are in our mind so that even when we stand to pray, we are doing so with difficulty and with distraction, right? And so why is prayer difficult? Because prayer is a sacrifice not only of our time, but it is the learning to quiet our mind so that it is focusing on nothing else but God alone. And that is not easy. It's another thing that we have lost in our highly multitasking world where we are constantly focusing on 10 things all at once, that we are always like trying to multitask in everything. We also try to multitask with prayer. And, and prayer becomes just one more thing that we're trying to add onto our already hectic schedule to find a way to fit it in. And sometimes it just kind of loses its, its value or loses, loses, loses its sanctity because we are treating it like everything else, right? But the Lord said, when we pray, we go into the inner room and we close the door. Closing the door doesn't just mean that we are physically alone in a room. It means that we are closing the door to all of the thoughts. We are closing the door to everything that is a source of distraction for us so that it is not a constantly attacking me and fighting me or, 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 or taking my attention in the midst of prayer, right? This is very important, and this is, it's, a, it's a fight. It's a, it is a fight, and, our, our, and the enemy is not just, again, like we said before with the spiritual warfare, the enemy is not just the normal distractions of the world, but it is, 
It is an active fight where I am being attacked because the devil does not want me to pray. Because when we pray and when we connect with God, everything becomes energized. Everything becomes possible. Everything, God works through this to transform me so that my vices are turned into virtues, so that the, the things, the bad habits that I have in my life that are weighing me down, that are destructive forces, that are preventing me from enjoying my life, those are actually taken care of. Those are removed. Those are, those are, those are broken down. All of the, the, the promises of God, all of the transformation that God promises in the life of a believer comes through union with God. And the only way we can have union with God is through spending time with Him in prayer. So we find that prayer is the catalyst, is the fuel that allows the Christian life to function. Without prayer, without the active experience of prayer and the spiritual life, Christianity is just a bunch of sayings. It's just a bunch of teachings. It's just a bunch of beliefs, just a bunch of things that I hear repeated and maybe I myself say, but they are devoid of power because I don't feel that power. I'm always speaking about the work of the Holy Spirit, but I don't feel the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm always speaking about how God has done these great and amazing things in the lives of such and such person, but what about me? I don't see that happening to me. I speak about how God says we should have peace that surpasses all understanding, but I certainly don't have that peace, right? And I'm not trying to say that prayer is like an automatic thing, like, okay, well, if I begin to pray, then suddenly I'm like a different person. It's a, it's a gradual process. It takes a lot of time. But that road, that process is one that starts with regular prayer all the time. And the prayer is one that requires stillness, right? Because I can only fit a certain number of things in my head all at once. And if my mind is filled with the world, then it cannot also be filled with God. And so here, Abba Ghatun is reminding us that prayer is difficult. And it is one of the most difficult things because it is one of the most beneficial things. It is the thing that brings us the most fruit, the most reward, because it is our closeness with God that allows us to have life. The last uh, father I want to speak about in this topic about quietness is Emba Beeman. Emba Beeman, he was born in 340 AD, and he was a Christian monk and um, early desert father, and he was very much quoted often for his gift as a spiritual guide. He gave many uh, much spiritual advice to his children, and his name actually means shepherd. He also lived in the monastery in the wilderness of Skidus, and in 407 AD, this monastery where he lived in, it was overrun by raiders, scattering the monks. This is one of the constant threats against all of these monks who were living in the desert, is there were these raiders that would come and, and sometimes try to kill the monks or to expel them from the monastery or steal their things. Uh, Amba Biman and Amba Anub, along with a handful of monks, they fled the monastery, and after leaving the wilderness, Amba Biman and his group, they lived in an abandoned temple for some time. He has many, many sayings attributed, attributed to him. So here he teaches about um, our transformation through reflection and prayer on the Lord. So he says, the nature of water is yielding, and that of a stone is hard. Yet if you hang up a bottle filled with water above the stone so that the water drips drop by drop, it will wear a hole in the stone. In the same way, the word of God is tender and our heart is hard. So when people hear the word of God frequently, 
their hearts are open to God's love. This gives us an image of something that we believe is immovable, unchangeable, hard like a rock, that we would imagine that nothing can break it, nothing can soften it, because it is a rock. We use a rock to break other things because it is hard. And something like water is soft, and we don't look at it as being a powerful weapon. We don't look at it as being something that could destroy anything. It's just some water. Okay? But he gives this example that if, with time and consistency, that if you allow this water, even just a drop at a time, to drop on this rock, that eventually it will erode the rock completely. And this gives us a symbol kind of our own hearts. Even when we come, maybe uh, with a hardened heart, stubborn, um, maybe prone to all kinds of sin, of the mind and of the flesh and of every type of sin. And I come before God, maybe reminds us the story also of St. Moses that we spoke about before, that he was, you know, a, a, a thief, a robber. He was a glutton. He was a man very much prone to anger. He was a very violent man. And yet, gradually, drop by drop, it is like the work of the Holy Spirit worked in him to transform him to be someone completely different. Just as this water that is dripping drop by drop on this rock changes the rock, changes the nature of the rock, right? So that while maybe in a moment we don't see any change as the water continues to drip, but over an, a long period of time, the change becomes obvious. That the word of God, which is soft, which doesn't appear to have any kind of special power necessarily, but simply being like immersed in it, and reading the word of God, and praying to God, and being quiet with the Lord, and spending time with God, and desiring a, a sincere change, can even change the nature of rock. So, again, it reminds us, if I truly want to change, you know, sometimes we, we struggle with sins, and we struggle with bad habits, and we struggle with our own personalities, and nature, and weaknesses. If I truly want to change, right, how am I going to change this rock? How am I going to change? Like, what can I hit this rock with? What can I do? It is a rock. It is something difficult to change. The more that I put effort to try to change myself, maybe I will fail. I won't, I won't find any success. And when I don't find success, I will give up. Right? This is not the way a Christian is to be transformed. A Christian is to be transformed through the work of God in us, not through our own work in ourselves. This doesn't mean that we don't put effort. It doesn't mean that we don't try our, like, hard to change to overcome our bad habits. But it means that the real success comes by bringing God into this, the problem, right? I bring this water that drips, drips, drips a little at a time. And this is what transforms and this is what changes to bring us to be from one extreme to the other extreme. This is the transformation. This transformation doesn't happen because we have good techniques. This transformation happens because God works in the heart of a person who wants to change. So this is today very briefly, you know, the, some of the teachings about, um, about prayer and about quietness. Um, we cannot advance in the spiritual life until we slow down because we spend so much time in this life going very fast about things that are not really of any value. If you think about it. Like I like to use the example of like an ant farm, you know, like, if you're an ant in the ant farm, for you, your whole business is about digging holes in dirt. Like, you go, and, and for you, this is the most important thing. You got to bring some dirt from over here, and you got to move it over here. 
you gotta you gotta make holes and tunnels and all this stuff because for you that's the most important that's your whole world is just moving dirt around because you're an ant and ants care about this okay but if you are a human being and you are watching the ants in this ant farm and that's kind of curious to us when we watch the way that the ants are living and working that even though they might think that they're accomplishing great things but as human beings we see okay well that's not that great you know like okay it's interesting you're making holes and tunnels and stuff. Is it really having any you know, impact on anything? Is it really so important that you're wanting to move dirt here and there? It's the end, it's no, it's not. They're having no real impact on the world by any means. But for them, this is the most important thing is moving the dirt. So we, as humans, we have a lot of goals and a lot of things that are important to us. But in the larger scheme of things, it's like the dirt. It's like moving the dirt around. Where do I want to go with my career? Where, how much money do I want to make? Where do I want to go on vacation? Um, who is it that I'm going to marry? And what is this? And like even things that are important in this life, if you look at the bigger picture and the bigger scheme of things, it's, it's, it's not going to have any eternal value. It's not something that's really going to get me anywhere outside of this world. I'm not saying that we shouldn't make good decisions in our life, but we shouldn't be obsessed with the world. We shouldn't be obsessed with this life that this life takes up all of my time, all of my thinking, all of my investment, all of my energy, so that the only thing that I do is thinking about this life and my pleasure and my money and my things and my family and myself, right? Instead, what does the Lord teach us? He teaches us that we should be more focused on what is after this life. What is after this life is far more lasting, far more important, far bigger impact on me rather than just the temporary things that we focus on, kind of, even if we focus on our entire life sometimes, or we set these goals that we have for our entire life, spend our entire life trying to chase after something that in the end doesn't get us anything. We're always reminded of this when we read the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a great book for people to read whenever they are making plans for the future, whenever they are thinking about their wealth, whenever they're thinking about what is important in life, Read the book of Ecclesiastes, and King Solomon reminds us that everything we, we care about in this world is vanity. I had read um, a book uh, called Orthodox Afterlife. I don't remember if I talked about this, but in this book, um, there is like this near-death experience. And this man who is an atheist dies, and he is recounting uh, his experience as he's dying because he's, he's conscious, right? He's conscious, he's, he, 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 he goes through this experience as he is dying, and, and he feels what it's like to die. So in the book, he, he's writing that he, he can't find the words to describe how unimportant everything that he cared about had become to him. Like everything that had any value to him at all became like nothing in that moment. Because all that mattered is where he was about to go. Like, everything else just became so irrelevant. And he realized, like, how foolish he had lived. Because he had all of that opportunity, all of that time, to care about the eternal things. And all he cared about was the things that in one instant was just taken from him. It's a difficult thing to do for myself, for, for all of us. It's a difficult thing to do. But we remind ourselves all the time, wh what do we want to be? And if what I want to be is someone who is detached from this world, not distracted by the world, 
this idea of prayer, of quietness, of solitude, of meditation, that I put the world away from me. I put it away physically, I put it away mentally in my mind, and I focus only on God who is the one who exists, the one who will be with us whether we are in this life or the next life. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Any comments before we pray? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for your kindness, and your patience, and your goodness. We thank you because you give us every opportunity to follow your path, and to make use, O Lord, of the promises that you have made to us, to follow, O Lord, what you want us to do in our lives, and to be sanctified and cleansed from every filthy thing. We ask you, O Lord, to allow us to spend time each and every day with you, to put aside the world, to put aside its distractions, to put aside, O oh Lord, the things that keep us attached and rooted in the earth so that we can see you more clearly and that we can enjoy the things of heaven rather than the things of the earth. We ask, O oh God, that you transform us and you change us and you make us to be vessels of honor, that you dwell in and that we would be beacons of light so that all those around us would see your mercy, to see your goodness, to see your love and be transformed and changed as we also are. We thank you, O Lord, for the church and for every opportunity you allow us to come here and to be changed and transformed. We thank you, O God, for every goal you have set for us and every purpose you have given us for. We ask that you fill our lives with meaning and this meaning be rooted in the truth and not in falseness. We thank you, O God, for our families, for our friends. We thank you, O Lord, for every adversity that you allow in our lives, for these adversities as well allow us to draw closer to you in, in the moments of need that we have. We thank you for every good thing, and we ask, O oh God, that you have mercy on us, and you forgive us our sins, and you transform us, O oh Lord, in our weaknesses into strengths. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints here, as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The love of God the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, and the communion of the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.